Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. I am predictably salty as usual. My vocal cords are struggling and my city is overrun with spotted lantern flies. KP, are you familiar with the nuisance that is a spotted lantern fly? I haven't got a Scooby-Doo what you're talking about, but Well, that's all right. I'll maybe fill you in. Maybe I won't. Either way, we must not fret. Not today, KP. No, we mustn't. Not on Cody Rhodes Day. It is my honor and pleasure to send the kids back to school with a bang by welcoming our very special guest for the whole episode. He is the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. Cody, you look amazing this morning. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, This is indeed the back to school special is what this is of after the bell. This I just came up with that as I was special. rambling incoherently. <laughs> I just sent my children to school again for, for the year uh, yesterday. Yeah. So it's fresh at the top of mind. You'll experience you, that pleasure. One of these days. Did you do the go? Like when did you get their school supplies? So that's funny. You should ask that because I had a conversation with my children. I took them shoe shopping and backpack shopping yeah. and all of the usual things. But nowadays, apparently, it's traditional for kids to wait until they're back in school where they then receive like a written syllabus that says you yes. need 12 pencils and nine erasers and 36 packs of post-it notes. Uh, so usually it's like a week deep that you do the actual mm. supply shopping these days. Can they not just send an email, no? This I is what mean, you need. I might send an email. I get a lot of emails, KP. That doesn't mean I read them. I don't recall exactly what I had to bring. I feel like... There was that crucial point where you started having to bring what was they called it a trapper keeper. Oh yes, trapper keeper. Yes, uh, you had to have uh, the trapper keeper. You had to have you know uh, a set of pencils, set of pens. I'm trying to think. It always felt like it was far more daunting than it really was getting all these supplies, protractors. Uh, set of safe scissors, that stuff. Yeah, right. My, like my was concern was always in the days of the trapper keeper finding a cool trapper keeper. Because they were in oh, limited yeah. supply. Nowadays, yeah. it's weird. I find that my kids, everything they want is basic. My son's like, I want a black backpack. I went, oh, well, okay. In my day, it was like, no, I need to get the one with He-Man on it or else I will be <laughs> yeah. made fun of. There, there were stakes so, involved. Now, not so much. Much more passive. Well, you know why, right? It's this generation that is coming is better than us. This Here you were thinking I got to be the coolest kid. Same with me. I've got to have something that represents me and my unique identity to these other students, but also something that they look at and envy and go, oh, I want to be like him. Hey, did you see the Trapper Keeper Cody had? It inspires them. Now the thought is the the content, the education I'm going to receive. That's all up in the the forefront of it. You can go prioritizing education. So this generation is just far better than us. And I think the area where we'll look at when these youngsters are grown up and go, wow, what idiots we were was how they handle social media, how the four, uh, the, the three of us on this conversation, how our generation has handled social media is equivalent to that, 1950s, 60s, where the dad would come home from work, instantly have a drink made, and start smoking in the house. It will be looked upon (laughs) so poorly with the strategies we took, the things we tried. We just 
They'll know though. They're, there's no learning curve for them. They're growing up with it. They'll know. So they're just better than us overall, which is, they should be, right? And that's the goal, right? Isn't the, the goal as a, as a parent is to always raise your children to have better circumstances than you did. Yes. Hey, speaking of being far better, what about your shot? Where are you today? For those watching on YouTube, Cody Rhodes, not only are you looking handsome in that beautiful suit as always, but you've got the greatest shot right now. Where are you? Uh, I think I've, I, maybe I didn't the last time I was on After the Bell, I, I wasn't in studio. This is at DDP's studio in Smyrna, Georgia, which is also the DDPY. They just did in the same room a full, uh, he doesn't call it yoga, but it's yoga uh, in here with the power cuffs and all the positivity that Dallas brings. But the studio has everything, editing bays, shooters, editors, makeup team, lighting, marketing. It's just this wonderful studio. And uh, Comeback Studios is the name of the studio, but I started utilizing it uh, when I was at AEW, before that it even started, as a way to get some high-res, well-produced content, even though we didn't have the power of a big machine. And jokingly, when you see these bricks behind me, it's kind of like AEW lost Comeback Studios in the divorce because <laughs> I still use the studio for all my needs. Uh, it's open to everybody, uh, but Dallas has, he, he gave me the old, anything I can do for you, and I have absolutely taken advantage of it because I'm in here on a regular, and I think the team that you saw some of them earlier likes me, but if they didn't, like if I left here and they're like, ah, oh, oh, this guy. Again, I'd understand. We, we, we're putting a lot of pressure on them. We do a lot of media in here. It looks fantastic. You're really maximizing the, uh, the usage that we have of ATB being available on WWE's official YouTube channel. So if you listen yes. to this on Friday, you can watch it on Monday. And Cody is really changing the game. This shot, dare I say, is borderline cinematic. I'm a little, I'm a little uncomfortable. I feel underdressed. I feel mm-hmm. like I am lacking in the equipment it's, department. This is really going to leave me with some long-term issues. So, okay, just so you know, though, I almost ruined this shot. I feel ruined it because I'm going to be honest. The way the schedule has been lately, and as you can see, I'm holding this cup of coffee in my hand, I've spun a little out of control. I have stopped looking at my calendar. I have John Cohn, I get a te- he might have just texted me right now, telling me I'm supposed to be somewhere at X amount of time. And... With that, I almost didn't wear a tie and a jacket. I almost just went cash. And then I remembered I can never go cash. And I didn't even know what my cash would be. I was honestly, what would it be? Would it be like a Nightmare Family hoodie? Would it be merch? What is my cash? I don't have a cash. You're at a point in your career where you have to plot and plan and put thought into things such as... What do I wear to appear casual when the world knows me as well-dressed, custom-made, dapper Cody Rhodes? I don't know. I don't know if you guys know this, but I had someone once tell me, and this was very dumb, this person, they're not dumb who told me, but the statement was dumb, that I shouldn't wear suits. It intimidates people. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll get like, 
a black like sweats and like a black sleeveless hoodie. I like sleeveless hoodies. I, I got a good good bicep, so that that'll work sure, for me. Sure. But then I was worried about shoes. I was worried about footwear because I everyone's doing Air Force Ones. Everyone's doing uh, uh, Jordans, Air Force Ones and Jordans, and that's kind of like there's a whole culture on uh, Instagram and on all the socials that follow what shoes guys have on, guys and girls have on. But I didn't want to replicate anybody. So I sent two runners out to a local mall and I said anything from but Air Forces and Jordans just because everyone's got them. I don't want to be a copycat. So they got me LeBrons. Okay. So I got these giant Space Jam LeBrons, uh, which if you catch me in the airport, I probably will have my Space Jams on. Um, and I thought they were the coolest thing ever. And I remember actually a, a group uh, who worked with them. I got a shipment of all kinds of LeBrons uh, to the house now. So that that's the one thing that's part of my cash that you might see is I'll, I'll throw in a pair of LeBrons. LeBrons are big, a staple. I like LeBron a lot. He's a huge part of our generation, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't want to be a copycat, so I went LeBrons. Can we, can we peel back the curtain a little bit, though? Because mm-hmm. at Monday Night Raw, you wear a suit, you know, coming walking around backstage. Two and suits yet, a day. you have a different suit on during the show. So mm-hmm. I know when I travel, Gravy, when you travel too, like I've got one bag where I, I'll put two suits in, two shirts, maybe three shirts, and it's packed. How do you yeah. travel with so many suits when you're on the road for, say, two weeks? What goes into your preparation? I've got a really great, and this is a perfect time. I don't know how... If after the bell listeners know, but one of the, a a source of pride and like a, a, basically like a medal or a certificate that you've been doing this for some time is the type of luggage you have. Uh, You'll, you'll see a locker room that's filled with mainly Toomey's. If you don't have a Toomey and you're a prospective young wrestler, go and get you a Toomey. Toomey strong, right? You see these Toomey bags. You'll see a lot of Louis Vuitton stuff from the more stylish. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is still pretty prominent. Uh, Gucci. I mean, there's Gucci, just, anything Gucci is very, Gucci still very prominent. prominent. Back in the day, it was the Halliburton briefcase. Right. Uh, Kevin Owens, I think still rocks. A, I think he does a polycarbonate Halliburton, which is the modern version of a, of a Halliburton. Uh, but anyways, I got a really great, those bags can accommodate. I'm a roller the way I do it. I okay. roll mine to, you know, avoid the wrinklage. And usually they're all stacked upon one another. So it is a, a very heavy bag. It's a regular thing to say to who's ever checking me in at the airport, sorry about that, you need a little help. Because it is a very heavy, obnoxious bag. But it's, it's what needs to be done. It's what needs I think to be it, done. I think it could be a passing phase, though, Cody. Per our conversation a few minutes ago about the importance of trapper keepers to our generation – Maybe yeah. our kids are not going to care about what brand bag you carry as long as it gets your stuff to where it needs to be. I uh, I think you're right. And I'll give you at the, I'll point to this at the nightmare factory on promo day. I tell them these are beginners. These are 12 week beginners. I say, most of you shouldn't have a character, but say you go ahead and do dress as your character, dress what that character would be. If you have gear, go for it. But for most of them, they're beginners. I said, come in biz cash. Come like you're going for a job interview. Give yourself that feeling of pomp and importance, you know, raises your shoulders. Everything about you feels like you're there for, for business. Right. But their version of it, 
would not pass for biz cash in my day. And once they get there and they make any effort, I ain't going to get on to them about it. But I've yet to have one kid fully throw on like a three-piece suit and, and even make the attempt. It's a very, again, this generation's not going out there to get the hottest trapper keeper. They want, the, they want the lesson. They want the promo lesson. So it's very polo, slacks, kind of like, you know, you were going for a job interview at a Smoky Bones. Okay. You know, not, <laughs> not like a job interview at a high rise. But I never say anything because they make an effort. Sure. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, again, they're better than us. They're all better than us. Kevin, you're, how old are you? 38. Same age okay, as you. You're with us. Yeah. Okay, anyone under 30, I would say, is pretty much included in this. They're not with us. They're better than us. And we just got to weather the storm as long as we can. But on that note, though, your life. you're an yeah. old soul. I can tell you're an old soul, Cody. You know, we look at news channels today, morning shows, all across television. Sneakers, polos, jackets, gravy, you rock your style. I'm always going to wear the suit and tie in that position on Monday Night Raw or Friday Night Smackdown or, or elsewhere. Um, you see Michael Cole, casual Cole now on Friday nights, on yeah. Friday Night Smackdown. Right. Why is it so important to you to wear the clothes that you wear and your reasons for doing so? Hmm. I've always had different outlooks on, you know, the classic quote of dress for the, the job you want, not the job you've, you have. But I... I think in the beginning, admittedly, the beginning, because I started wearing suits everywhere every day when I left WWE in 2015. And when I went on the independent scene and I'd be wearing a suit and that on an independent level was very different and a lot of people hadn't seen that. And it was a gimmick, I think, you know, if I can use that word, it was a gimmick. It was, it was part of a character more or less. And it just slowly went from that to I think the next gimmick was, hey, I want to look like I'm in charge so that people feel comfortable asking me questions so that people, if you need to have an interview done, if there's local media here, we can send Cody out to do it. If there's a, a fan, a quick meet and greet, pre-doors, whatever it may be, I wanted to look like, okay, I'm, I'm in charge, I'm a leader, whatever it might be. Somewhere around that period, though, it was fully in my bones. It was no longer a gimmick. I loved it. I loved the culture of fashion uh, at a wrestling event. And it may be my visits to New Japan, where you see Okada showing up in the building in a Ferrari immaculate suit, Sonata, immaculate tailored suit. I really appreciated how, as sports figures, I know it's sports entertainment, but as sports figures, they were trying, they weren't trying to be slouches. They were trying to be on an NBA level of, sure. of fashion, an NBA, an NFL draft level. And I've just always loved that. I, it's no longer a gimmick. It's all that's in the closet. I don't really have a cash. Um, I grew up a big fan admiring and, and, you know, reading as much as I could about JFK. He was always my first go-to when it was like any type of suit tie Look at what he's got on because he had it right. I feel classic. like right in the middle. Yeah, yeah, classic, mm-hmm. classic. But yeah, Timeless it's no longer classic. It's no longer. It's no longer a gimmick. It's just. It's. I love it. It's who I am, and I think I'll take it all the way to the grave for me uh, on on being a suit guy. So you dressed for the job that you wanted, not the job yeah. that you had. Referring to your time away from WWE, which eventually sort of manifested itself, and you would find yourself in a very uh, powerful yeah. position 
creating your own competition and creating competition within the industry. Now you've jumped back and it's been some time. You've had a little time to digest being back under the WWE umbrella. The view from 30,000 feet now, when you look back, what is something that you miss about your life prior to WWE and something that maybe you appreciate more now this go around within WWE from a professional and personal standpoint? Well, the things that I appreciate for WWE are, it's almost like we're tailor-made for one another in a sense that I am a bit of a control freak. I want to I wanna really have a say in what my merch will look like. I also want to see how well that's doing in every single market, not just the general conversation once a week, every single market, not unlike I, I watched Cena do, not just that, but everything of the presentation, the, all, all of these things that I was really, I felt like I used to have to do it all myself. Mm-hmm. There was a department at WWE that wanted to do it and knew how to do it and knew how to do it better than me. So that appreciation I didn't have when I was a kid. I'll be honest, when I was here the first time, I remember I went like two years before I introduced myself to Marty, the cameraman. Like two years before I knew Stu on the floor, his name. I just was immature and flying at a million miles an hour and not knowing what's what and how important everybody is. Nick Daw at ringside, like everybody, Berkeley, my own family, like what they do. You know, I know at the end of the night, uh, you guys have seen it. At the end of the night, I stay there an extra, a little longer uh, than perhaps production wants. So, but they're they're really they're WWE. That's a big thing I appreciate is how accommodating they are in terms of you hear like, hey, the big machine. It is a unbelievably well oiled machine, and um, if I feel like you know, there's Vince and there's Hunter and there's all, there's plenty of top brass. In, in WWE, but I'll tell you a guy who I feel like gave me the keys to the kingdom was Nick Khan. I feel like Nick Khan really gave me the keys to the kingdom when I signed. And ever since then, every department, everybody, uh, I have such an appreciation for that because they are, they ain't nine to fivers. You know what I'm saying? Sure, they live sure. it. Mm-hmm. They breathe it. I have an appreciation and I kind of have a, I kind of don't love the old nine to fivers. The guys who take, you know, hey, it's done for the day and put it away. This is a passion industry. This is a passion job. I don't want, nine to five don't work for me. I mean, I'm texting people at 11 o'clock still. You know, poor Ryan Ward uh, (laughs) getting texts from me left and right. He's probably on vacation, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, But yeah, no, I, I have such an appreciation for the machine, how accommodating the machine has been for me. If I missed anything from my time away, And that was such a fun time. Gosh, it was such a fun time. I think the only thing I miss, and I have said this before, is I had an office in every building. I had an office. And in that office was some of the most fun. No business was being done. Maybe maybe 5% business. And probably Brandy was the one who was doing the business. The other 95% of it was me and my buddies, me and new buddies, new people coming in, hiding people in there. Uh, every week, you know, we had the Nightmare Bar, which was, yeah, again, I, this the heat's on me. I guess I, I'm still immature, but 
fully stocked. I had a bar in there, you know, once guys and girls were done working. It just was a really, I miss that office. I do. The dogs were in there a bunch. Kids, little Brody is in there all the time, you know. <laughs> uh, I really miss the office. Uh, and what happens is some of the guys go to the buildings and they'll take a picture of where my room was and just send uh, it to me, and it's, it's really sad. Salt in the wound, <laughs> so, man. Salt in yeah. the wound. There, there's something to be said for a Rhodes family office. Some of my most fond memories of Dusty <laughs> were in his office in the Performance Center, where much like yeah. the, the Nightmare Office, we didn't do much of anything productive. We ate a lot of barbecue. <laughs> Yes. If I had a dollar for every time I watched Garth Brooks live in Central Park, I, oh, I would man. be a, a millionaire right now. But those are some of my most cherished memories. Just standing there talking business. Yeah. Hey, what movies did you watch recently? Hey, what are you yep. into? Just just talking. And then once in a blue moon, as yep. you know so well, a, a million dollar idea would just pop off in his head. And next, yeah. Hey, this is what we're going to do. And it's like, how, how did that happen? Did we just were we creative? Were we productive? Yep. I don't know. But the magic still happened. A, uh, I also love that I don't think he was originally supposed to have an office there. I think that little broom closet room they gave him. Was, yeah, it wasn't was much. For, it wasn't much. He forced his hand. Uh, and that uh, he also, do you remember he had the pictures on the wall that were kind of depicting your place in his life? Yes. So he had, so he had these pictures on the wall that literally were, some were bigger and then some were smaller as they went down. And his top two pictures and they were giant, were my wife and Stephanie McMahon. It was like everybody else, everyone else fell. They weren't really as important on the tree. Like there's a picture of us as a family at the very bottom. It's like, you know, but those, he kind of let it, he wanted people to know this is his table right here. This is how it works. But it was a tiny little office. But that's what it was for. What kind of barbecue were you guys eating? Do you remember? Was it there, Four there was Rivers? a place in Orlando that he loved was the Four Rivers. Four Rivers yep, barbecue four, was, was a regular. Four Rivers. Four yeah. Rivers is good in a sense that you get there early, you got your you got your pick. But it's one of those barbecue places. You get there a little later in the day, they are out of stuff. Yes, it's that you know popular and wanted. Yeah, that's a good barbecue spot, fellas. You say you're sitting around though, and you're not getting much work done in your office, Cody, or likewise Corey yeah. with Dusty. Is that not part of the secret sauce for both your dad and you, Cody? In that you're building culture, and people don't even realize it maybe in that moment. But those valuable moments of talking about movies and laughing about photographs or sharing a drink, it's imperative. It's imperative, and it's being it's being present. You you two have probably met plenty of wrestlers and superstars now who you can tell are not present. They're mm-hmm. worried about what they're going to be doing. They're so. The bone that they're getting that night on TV is so important that it feels like their life depends on it. And I, I understand the passion. But along the journey, Michael Hayes always talks about, hey, the journey, enjoy the journey, remember the journey. Along the way, it is imperative to be present and have those moments because, I mean, in a blink of an eye, you're our generation now talking about the previous, like, in, a, in the blink of an eye, you know, so it's very imperative. And also... Old school bookers, which the concept of a booker doesn't really exist anymore, but old school bookers, that's how they kept their ear to the ground. What's going on in the right. world? Like, tell me, tell me, what are you listening to? Like, I've heard Conan talk about that with AAA, how he still asks, like, what are these kids listening to? Like, he has to kind of do the Steve Buscemi show up with the, 
you know, black dyed hair and like, what's happening, cool kids yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Greetings, like, fellow kids. Yeah, but he's they're dusty same way. Like, sure. I got to connect. I have to connect. So tell me. I, I think this business historically has always functioned at its best when it's reflective of society. Even yes. looking back at the Attitude Era to bring that up, it was that crash TV Jerry yeah. Springer mentality that the tra- trapper keeper time. Uh, but yeah. that, that was what was important. It was chaos. It was unpredictability. It was sort of the, the disconnect and, and Gen X and, and being jaded and, and all of that sort of melded into what WWE was at the time, whether yeah. it be in the form of a character or a story arc. And yeah. when our business can reflect what's happening in society, that I think has been some of the, the hottest business we've ever done. Oh man, celebrity death match was another one. Yes, that attitude era. Celebrity, yes. <laughs> yeah, man, what a time in terms of being on a Monday and being able to flip back and forth. What a right? what a time that Monday flipping back and forth as a kid, and then calling your buddies. You know, if you had like a landline phone or <laughs> calling your buddies to say, "Hey, did you watch this?" That was just that was there. my introduction to the internet. Was yes. I didn't have the internet yet. But my yeah. best friend, Brandon, his dad was a, was a computer programmer. So they were like oh. way ahead of the curve. And about twice a week, I would call Brandon after school and I'd be like, all right, what's going on? And he would yeah. read me essentially the, what we now refer to as the dirt sheets yeah. on the internet, the rumors. And then sure. to say, oh, hey, the big boss man's going to WCW. And I'd go, yeah, right. No way. And then next <laughs> thing you know, the big boss man shows up there on WCW is. Nitro. And I'm like, wait a minute. What is happening? Yeah. I, uh. Man, what was I about to say? Boss man coming over. Oh, here's what I'd love to bring back. And maybe you guys know somebody who could do this. If I had it, my, if I had any smidge of power, I would bring back the hotline. Oh. I would absolutely bring back the hotline. And you can now do it as a text line, essentially. But sure. they were there were real scoops occasionally on the hotline. Right. Or they were vague enough. That if you were a fan, you knew like, oh, he's talking about Big Boss Man. That's yeah. what he's talking, you know, like, yeah. yeah. So the hotline was, I get it that it was a cash grab. Hey, X amount of money. I do get that. We obviously want to take that. Maybe we lessen that part to an extent. But I would host a weekly hotline where I just. 909 It is ingrained and I just in my brain. Drop, I just want to drop, basically, if you drop five things. Say I draw three things. One of them is real, you know, yeah. and like you've got to you've got to wade through it all, and then ah, there, see, you should be following the hotline. You know what's okay, crazy? Yeah. I just thought of, I just thought of the fact that you'd call Brandon your best board, Corey. I guarantee you, you knew Brandon's house line number, and we all remembered those. Yeah. We've all got digital dementia these days because no one no right. one has to do that anymore. Life has just changed so drastically. Can I ask? You, I used Cody? to have the numbers above the, you know, above the phone. My friends' numbers, and they were. I, they were I had the phone that yeah. had the little plastic part that would pop off, and it had the list that you could yes. physically write and no then cover it back up. So yeah. when you looked on your phone, you had like like a dozen numbers available to you. Yeah, yeah. I can still remember all those. We had a mile long cord, so if I was ever calling a girl, it's under the stairs you go. Mm-hmm. Like you literally, the cord is stretching across the entire kitchen under the stairs. Mm-hmm. Cody, we talk Aww. about the the industry reflecting society you don't look like the average person walking the streets cody rhodes is a movie star look right you've got the chisel jaw you've got the hair is perfect you've got the great suits yet you appeal 
to the everyman. The every Cody, don't worry. He he pontificates about you like this each and every week, whether you're a I guest mean, on look the at show the or fella. not. Every I mean, week he mentions guy. Cody's fashion me? sense. No, but look at him. He, he, you're, you're walking million dollars. I mean, you look great. Like, but you don't you you appeal to the every man and woman, and yet you probably shouldn't. Why is Cody Rhodes so successful and so beloved today? I um I I don't know if I can dive into necessarily what makes the connection work that I've been able to have and been so lucky to have with fans. But I do think it's opposite to traditional, you'll, you'll actually hear a lot of traditional and not dumb individuals, smart individuals talking when they talk about the show and they don't understand the suit. They don't love uh, the uh, elevated language that might be in some of the interviews, but if they're truly watching, they'll admit it has a bit of the opposite effect that it used to have. It used to be something that wouldn't appeal to, I guess, as you said, the every man. It wouldn't. I think above it all, but above all the presentation, above all the pyro, above the music, above it all, the thing I am lucky enough, lucky enough to have is that what I'm saying is real. The goal I have is real. The, the journey I've been on is real. And we work in this industry of suspension of disbelief. And again, if you can be the thing that's real, then, it, then that, that supersedes how you look. That supersedes how you carry yourself. That's just something that when you're sitting in the seat, perhaps you can recognize the, the journey. And, and I, I feel like that's that's very exciting because I don't like to work people. I I like to work with people. I probably don't have that bone, you know. I call it like the Ferengi bone, the salesman bone. I don't have I don't have the lobes, as they would say on Star Trek, to con people. Now I've sure in my career thought maybe I did. Sure in my career probably oh they'll like this if you do this or they'll like that. I'm now at the point where my main thing is I just want to work with them. This audience, we're, we're one team. And uh, it's okay if you're not on board. Sounds like most folks are. We're going to be one team tonight. We're one team. Have my back in there. You start making noise. I will get up and I will beat this guy up. Or I'll do my, I'll, I'll do my best to try and do that. Well, beyond the suits, beyond the elevated language, it all boils down to whether or not you can deliver from bell to bell, as we've learned historically yeah. throughout the business. Talk sure. to us a little bit, KP. Talk to me. Tell me about <laughs> your encounters with Brock Lesnar. After WrestleMania, you, you don't even have time to lick your wounds yet. Lesnar shows up, F5s you, and you're off and running to this trilogy, which culminated at SummerSlam. The closing moments, the Beast Incarnate seems to endorse you. Talk now in hindsight, now that you've had a few weeks to, to heal up a little bit. Uh, what was that experience working against Brock like for you? I'd say going all the way back to the night after WrestleMania, that it was, it was really, truly a nightmare in a sense that, oh my gosh, the most obvious victory, uh, uh, the, the odds were all in my favor. Literally, the betting odds were all about me leaving WrestleMania as champion and then not to get it done, to, to feel like – 
let down, of course, but also to feel you might have let down millions of people. All of this is too much to even let enter your mind and let boil and bake or whatever it may be when only 12 hours later, you're thrust into a whole nother scenario. It feels like it was 12 hours because it feels like from the time I got to Raw to when Raw went off the air and I was laying there on those steps that it was just a nightmare. It really was a nightmare. And I, as you mentioned, like hindsight, now looking back on it, going all the way to SummerSlam, I, I don't know if it still hit me, the significance of three different matches with one of the absolute greatest of all time, future Hall of Famer, the most decorated combat sports athlete in the world, and this, I kept saying unicorn. It's not a real word that works with Brock so much, but he is so unique. It's almost like, like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness right. Monster in a sense that he is so insanely unique. Looking back, knowing that not, not only did I survive the first encounter, but I was able to win uh, at the big one, at SummerSlam, in you know, front of that crowd at Ford Field. It's... It's one of those, it's not a pat on the back thing as much as it makes you feel like, oh my gosh, all the suit wearing, all the workouts, all the dieting, all the travel, all, that's one of those where, yep, that's why you do it. There's okay. the trade-off. Don't complain because there's the trade-off. It actually, all your work actually paid off. What happened after, I feel I really still don't know what, what happened. You know, my mom had given me that where she, you know, not to steal a phrase from the tribal chief, but we will. My mom was the one to say, this guy acknowledged you. And, uh, and I just, I, it, hasn't, it hasn't set in. It hasn't, you know, the fact that I, when he is taking his gloves off, looking at me, I thought for sure. We're, it, one's going to connect. I'm probably going up for an F5. I was very convinced that the fight wasn't over. Um, but I, I could look into his eyes as he got closer and he looked into mine and I, I don't ever want to be in the ring with Brock Lesnar again. I had the honor, but also the absolute struggle of being across from him. But if ever I needed a lesson in my life about, hey, yeah, I know you feel like you're so good and telling everyone you're best in the world and all this. If ever I needed a lesson I got a masterclass of an education from those, from those three encounters that I could not have gotten anywhere else. So as I look towards what I want to do next in the future, it's like carrying a whole new weapon. It truly, truly is. Um, again, Brock's probably never going to be on After the Bell. Brock's probably never going to be on Good Morning America. Brock is unique in that he you see him rarely but i am very lucky to have been able to be beaten up and pummeled and thrown around uh and put through the ringer uh by him because there's not a lot of old school cowboys left and we're gonna miss them when they're gone and if to be able to get the tip of the cap from him again almost hasn't hit me you talk about that masterclass, that education. What specifically did you learn from Brock Lesnar? 
I don't know if I can share. I don't know, Kev. I don't know. Just some this, things you keep KP's close to the still test. learning about betraying the sanctity of the locker room. Between the bar and the locker room, it stays there. We can hint at it, but come on. <laughs> what what I what I'll what I learned was that every one of us has a perception and a reputation in the space that we're in, in the sports entertainment and wrestling space. There are people who think they know us personally and describe events as if they were there. There's a, I'm not complaining about it. It's the nature of fame. There's this deep connection. I believe he has a reputation that is incorrect in terms of the type of person he is as far as does he even like wrestling? Does he care about wrestling? How professional? Does he train? Does it, all this. You don't get to be where he's at unless you are very, very passionate about this. And I like the idea that he, I've never spoken to him. We're not friends. But I like the idea that he's fine with this reputation. That you, if you want to have that and think this of me, but you'll, I'll be judged by what I put in the ring. I'll be judged by what you see out there. And again, uh, that's, that's, that's really, that's an adult. That's an adult. You know? And man. I don't know if that, that's the best, but that's an adult to, to look at it and go, oh, how, how they're chatting about me, be damned. I'll be judged by this. Uh, that's really controlling uh, your destiny. As it stands, you've got the beast in the rearview mirror. Payback is looming in a few weeks. Premium live event live from Pittsburgh. What is on the immediate horizon for the American nightmare as the year begins to wind down? Well, we're heading into payback. Um, I think I think we're in an area where we've got some more options. Uh, coming out of the three matches with Brock and those being very specific, I think now we've got some options and it's more on me to think about who would be a good opponent, right? Who would be, not just payback specific, but moving forward, who would be a good a good opponent to have? Uh, what, what match would be something that would really capture the imagination of, uh, of the audience. And that's been me right now. That's really what I've been doing is kind of surveying the field. Uh, I, I love wrestling with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn uh, and having these team ups that we get to have because it, it's fun when you have people like minded that you can share the ring with and, and have the same kind of outlook on the industry and, and work at the same level. Uh I love I love doing that, but I, I do like to always think of myself as a singles wrestler and a singles act. So that's really what I've been doing, not to be vague and ambiguous. I'm kind of looking at the the lay of the land and saying who would be a great opponent uh, for me right now. Can we talk a little bit about becoming Cody Rhodes? I mean, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, Cody, no. congratulations Please. again, honestly, and we really appreciate all this time that you're giving us today. I was so fortunate and humble that you invited me to the premiere here in Atlanta. It was spectacular. I'm telling you, I cried probably 10 times. And I'm sitting next to Matt Cardona, who cried more than me. And Chelsea Green, meanwhile, is as tough as ever sitting next to him. Not yeah. a tear was shed. Now that the dust has settled on everything, um, mm-hmm. and, and you're seeing the numbers roll in and just how successful it's been, what's your, what's your overall feeling right now about becoming Cody Rhodes? 
I was always really, I, I wasn't able to say, hey, this is a great documentary or this is a terrible documentary. I wasn't able to really say anything because it's about me. So I, I feel like you, I feel so indulgent if I'm saying, oh, this is the best documentary you've ever seen because it's about my life and, and really it's up to the fans to decide if this is any good, uh, if this was real enough, whatever it might be. I, uh, I now look at becoming Cody Rhodes uh, on Peacock as it feels like a very Im- important part of my career. It feels like a, we have segments. Monday Night Raw, you have a segment. Friday Night SmackDown, you have a segment. We have matches. We have PLEs. This feels like this big chunk in my legacy that I would want to leave behind that informs the next step. I, I talk to so many people who were not wrestling and sports entertainment fans who saw the doc and were so intrigued as to what happens next. I heard, I couldn't believe, I heard two older ladies on a Delta flight, two seats in front of me talking about it and thinking, maybe they saw me get on. So that's why they're talking about it. They hadn't seen me. They were having a genuine, casual conversation uh, about, because we were heading back to Atlanta and they're talking about, oh, he's from here and all that. It was very, very touching. And for a brief, brief moment, uh, I, I jokingly was telling everybody after it came out, we should leak the numbers. We should leak these numbers. Uh, but nobody nobody had the courage to leak the numbers, myself included. Um, but what was very encouraging that was at the time Mario had hit Peacock as well, Mario's outstanding movie. Mm-hmm. And f- for a minute, they were hanging neck and neck. And I thought, Here's one of the most successful movies of modern modern history, like contemporary culture. We love Mario, and here I am hanging in with the with the plumber. So that was that was a highlight for me. I I can't say enough good things about Peacock. I can't say enough good things about Ben Hauser. He's now he's moved on to the Kurt Angle documentary. So whatever, Ben. Uh, I love Ben, uh, and I can't say enough about Matt Brain, who's been this long running. Uh, Corey, you might know Matt. I do. I mean, he's like this long-running WWE soldier, filming everything. He's the supplemental producer on this, PA on this, shooter on this, editor on this. And for him to be the director and get that slot, I think they told a very real story. Um, And uh, I was happy that fans from where I had been previously were able to see that that period of time was talked about lovingly and that this next time, like, we want you coming with me. So just a, it's been a whirlwind. Yeah. Shout out to Hauser and Brain and that whole crew. Many of the unsung heroes of the machine, the secret weapons yeah. that we possess at the studios in Stamford, without whom WWE would not look the way it does now. Cody, we appreciate your time, man. You know you are always welcome here on After the Bell. Where can the ATB faithful follow along the journey? Wait, is this like a talk to me about? Like Kevin's thing. <laughs> that was just more of an opportunity to plug yourself. Uh, I think I'm on. So here's where I'm new. I'm obviously on Twitter at, at Cody Rhodes, on Instagram at Adam uh, American Nightmare Cody. But I'm on the TikTok game now. I'm getting into the talk life. <laughs> How, how's talk so life been treating you? I've sworn it off thus far. Uh, talk, talk life is, again, we're talking about the Dusty, the office, the youth. Yes. Talk life is definitely me, the black hair dye. Hey, cool kids. Try, but also, <laughs> I get to see the silly things they ask for and like. 
And uh, that's good. I don't want to lose, you know, I, I don't know. My Libby, Libby's too now. If she grows up talking, I want to have been on talk. You know, I want to have that with her. Hey, there's a potential generation of kids who are going to grow up with American Nightmare Cody Rhodes Trapper Keepers. Let's not leave them in the dust. Let's not forget about them. They do make them. And then, and then I'll drop a big old after the bell spoiler. And somebody at Fanatics right now is probably going to shoot through the ceiling of panic. But hey, whatever. You, you got to give people new content. You can't just tell them the same thing. We uh, are probably like 99.9% going to drop. WWE is going to put together a Pharaoh plush for no. kids. A little plushy. A little stuffed animal of Pharaoh. Yes, and it's accurate. Brown nose, blue eyes. I might have seen it already. But yeah, the that's the WWE shop. And <laughs> nice, Cody. I love it. Yeah. Well, keep your eyes peeled for the new Pharaoh merch and all things American nightmare make sure you're following us at after the bell wwe on twitter instagram and facebook you can find me at wwe graves you can find kp at kev underscore egan listen for free wherever you get your podcast just search after the bell hit the follow button and never miss an episode as a reminder full episodes of atb are available on the official wwe youtube channel each and every monday we'll be back next week with more wisdom more vitriol more WWE after the bell. I'll tell you about Spotted Lantern Live next week, KP. Thanks, bud.